that a fresh a breath air? Just worshiping and and having the music just pour over your spirit, no matter what your your week has been like, or uh, either you had a good week or a or a bad week. But it's just it's nice to just come and and just uh, kind of just absorb into the room a little bit. That's what that's what I like to do. Well, welcome to um, we're in a new series. Welcome to it. Um, we've already had two. Um, it's not a fan. Um, God doesn't want us to be fans of him. He wants us to be followers of him. And so the first week, Jack talked about uh, DTRing, defining the relationship with Jesus. And so I hope you have done that. If not, we'd love to, to show you how to do that and kind of walk you through that. And also, too, in the second week, it, we talked about God eliminated the excuses and got rid of the qualifications so that we can come to him with everything. And so if you weren't here, that kind of is uh, what we've been been about for the last couple weeks, but tonight we're going we're gonna to tackle another topic about not being a fan, but being a follower. And so I, as I was preparing, I was uh, talking, uh, just reminiscing about some, some things that this subject matter uh, brought up. And I had a friend all the way from fifth grade until uh, we were about 23, 24, and uh, we spent so much time together. He lived up on the northwest side, and I lived in Midtown. And so we would spend time after we were driving. Um, we were, I would spend the night at his house, and then we'd, in the summer we'd go golfing, and then we'd golf up by his house, and then we'd go to my house, and the next day we'd reverse it, and we would just be, play basketball. We'd do everything together. And it, it became um, such, such an interesting relationship that when we were out skiing or when we were out in social situations, um, I could literally read his mind. I could see the girls he was interested in. I could see when on the basketball court, he always did two fakes to the right and always went into his left hand. It was, it was e- he was predictable, but it was good. Because when we were playing basketball, I always knew where he was. And when I was always at the bottom of the basket, just trying to do whatever, I, didn't, I couldn't shoot very well. Um, but it was a great relationship because I knew what to expect. And I knew when he uh, was pursuing that girl, um, I could see it in his eyes or there was a humor going on. I could see um, when it was going to go south and I could probably stop him from going there or vice versa. Um, also, when you're around someone, you've had these relationships, maybe you haven't. These relationships where you, you are talking with them and you have a short time with them and then uh, they go away for months, maybe years on end, and you come back and you have a conversation with them. Either you connect with them on the phone or in person, and it feels just like you when they left or when you left. You don't have to, to speak much when you're connected to people. And when they know you, you don't have to do that. I've been with Kimberly 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. And I can look at Kimberly pretty much most of the time. I can be in the ballpark where I know her emotions or I know what she's thinking and possibly sometimes feeling. Those are a little iffy sometimes. <laughs> but my wife and I have an intimate and an intuitive connection knowing each other. Just think about those relationships that you've had. Either it's a spouse or it's a close friend that you are intuitive with. You could, you could bounce things off of without even speaking and know where each other's at. Until you have seen or been a part of one of these relationships, it's hard to know what intimacy is. I could read a definition for you, or I could explain it, but those would just be words coming out. 
we really don't know what intimacy is unless you experience it. You won't just, you'll just know about it until it happens. Some of you are sitting here thinking, well, that's great for you and Kimberly that you have this intuitive, um, intimate relationship. Some of you guys might cringe at that thought of that word, intimacy. That's a loaded word, you might think. I want to stay away from that, you might say. You might even attach a painful memory or a painful experience because something hurt you when you opened yourself up. The best biblical word of intimacy that I can come up with of all my search is the word know, K-N-O-W, to know. First used in the context of a relationship with, in Genesis with Adam. And it says, in Genesis 4.1, it says, Adam knew his wife Eve. Adam knew his wife Eve. The Hebrew word for know here in this context is yada, Y-A-D-A, yada. The definition of yada is to know and to be known completely. To be known and be known completely. So the context is Adam in this. He knew his wife, like knew, knew his wife. Knew his wife? Do you you get the picture? The physical part of knowing? That's not just a yada yada moment. You're supposed to laugh at that. That was supposed to be funny. (laughs) But it's an intimate connection at all levels. The word know in yada means connected in all levels. To know that the Bible has this beautiful picture of intimacy. It's important. The Bible first When it talks about sex, it talks about intimacy first. It doesn't talk about the physical act that the world wants you to think about. I'm just gonna be honest. The guys in the room, this can be a little awkward. This can be a little awkward. Here's a guy up here on a stage with a microphone. I'm in church and he's telling me have an, to have an intimate relationship with another dude. It's a little awkward, right? So if I'm saying I'm gonna have an intimate relationship with Jesus, especially in this context, it says that Adam knew his wife, that's a little weird, right? We can admit that. I can admit that because I struggle with it. It's weird. But I want us to step past that weirdness and take and understand that the same word God used to describe intimacy between a man and a wife is also describing how God wants to know you as a person that he's created you to be. Still weird? I think it's a little weird still, but we're gonna walk through it, okay? We're gonna walk through it. If I think about my day-in, day-out connection with my wife, Kimberly. I sometimes get embarrassed to look at how my connection and my relationship with God compares. Just think about that for a second. If you have a 
very close friend or that you have someone that you share life with day in and day out compare that to how you know God and how you relate to God I think what this is saying is that the, my relationship with Jesus is not just an event on Sunday it's not right now it's not just a casual encounter whenever I feel like I need to communicate with him. It's knowing him and where he's at. It's intimacy, and he is worthy of our worship. If you have your Bibles with us, turn to Luke 7. Luke 7 is in the midst of a bunch of parables and miracles and things that Jesus is doing. And we find ourselves in chapter 7, right after, in chapter 6, it talks about John the Baptist and, and, and coming to know Jesus, and they were asking questions about John the Baptist. And then it moves to, in chapter 7, it moves to um, a point where Jesus is eating dinner with a Pharisee and um, a woman comes in. So I'm gonna read it. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As he stood behind him as his feet, his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the biggest debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not oil on my you did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, "Your sins are forgiven." The other guests began to say among them, "Who is this?" that even forgives sins. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith have saved you. Go in peace. Part of that is the last two phrases that Jesus says. Here she is just weeping, full of shame, full of just guilt or whatever, and she's just coming before Jesus. Didn't say anything, was just 
acting out on worshiping him with the perfume and her tears and her hair. And he says, Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She didn't communicate what her sins were. She didn't take a, a list out and say, well, I have to, I have to clean myself up before I, before I go to the Messiah. Jesus already knew what her sins were. He knows what's going on with you. He knows your thoughts, the good, the bad, the ugly, the ones that you try to hide from everyone. He knows your sin. He knows our brokenness. He knows what you're thinking and what you're gonna say before you even say it. God wants you to know him like he knows you. God invites us to know him. The creator and the heaven, the creator of the heaven and the earth offers us, me and you, an invitation to know him intimately. Yada. To know and be known by the creator of the universe. That's a little intense if you think about it. Because most of us try to keep everything at a distance. Keep everything Oh, I don't want to get too close. He knows everything about us and still wants us to know him no matter what we're at, where we're at. Because really many of us have a hard time knowing how to deal with intimacy, how to deal with someone knowing us, someone knowing who we are really, not who we put on Facebook, not who we do in Snapchat, not who we present to the world, but really know who we are. We pretty much, I can say, I've been, doing, I've been in ministry 20 years, I think pretty much all of us have some form of avoiding intimacy. So it's no surprise that most of our responses to being, having Jesus know us and having people know us is the response to intimacy is a reaction of fear. Intimacy can be pretty scary because it requires us to be vulnerable. It requires us to admit that we don't all have it all figured out. It requires us to just realize that we are broken and don't know exactly what to do. Intimacy in our culture says one thing. Intimacy in the Bible says another thing. Kimberly always um, makes fun of me that uh, I don't cry. You can laugh. That's funny. I don't really cry. I think I've maybe cried two or three times in my life. Maybe, well, in my adult life. Probably cried a lot when I was a kid. Breaking things and doing that kind of stuff or setting my parents' backyard on fire. Probably cried on that one. Um, and so it's interesting that in our culture, crying, especially for guys, if we have a, a girlfriend or a, a friend that's a female that's crying, it's usually tears start happening and guys start looking at each other like, oh my gosh, egress, get out. What are we doing? How do we, who's dealing with her? What do we do with her? I don't know, what? You know, and that, that's just a small portion 
That's just a small portion of an emotion and a vulnerability that people have. And you see it, you know, uh, uh, I heard it just a couple days ago. I I can't cry because I'm an ugly crier. (laughs) Okay. But if we struggle with showing people and crying in front of people, that's just a small portion of 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 vulnerability. Imagine with the vulnerability that we're talking about when God says, I want to know you all completely tears and all because I've created you and I want to know you many people fear intimacy with others and with God because they they know that vulnerability has pain attached to it let that sit for a second as Americans as human beings we avoid pain at all costs, most of the time. Most of the time it's caused pain because we've opened ourselves up to a person and we've been betrayed. Or a crushing blow was given to us to a person that we really trusted and that we were friends with and connected with. Or we opened up to someone and someone let us down disappointed with how things worked out the last time you were vulnerable or made fun of. When we make ourselves vulnerable to God, we know he is going to find something in us that we're not proud of. Something we've tried to, to, to mark off, trying to, to move away. It's like we put a, a no trespass sign on par, parts of our life that say, you know what, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, have a relationship with, you can have this part and this part, but I'm just gonna, we're just gonna leave that one because it's either too dirty or I think I'm, I'm ashamed of it or I, I don't know what to do with. And so I, there's a, new, a do not disturb or a do not pass or a do not enter. God, so you gotta stay out of that. Like the woman in Luke. Her sin in her life made her think she was unworthy to touch the Messiah. And because we all sin, we know God is looking into our lives and find things that are gonna be ugly, but he already knows them. A wonderful tactic that the enemy has on us is when we get hurt, and when we step towards that intimacy and we, uh, we are opening ourselves up or vulnerable and we get hurt, the door gets slammed or we, we get betrayed or something happens or we get hurt, the enemy comes along and tags a lie to it. Yeah, see, you should never done that. If you stay away from that relationship or, or if you don't try to be close with them, then you won't get hurt. You're not worthy of that. And you can probably, in your head right now, Think of the lies that have cycled in your head when you've been hurt, when you've stepped out a little bit in in a relationship, even with God, saying, God, I I wanna serve you, I I want you to know me. And then the movie tape plays in your head of all the things that you've done wrong or that you've kept quiet. The enemy tacks on lies and we begin to 
believe those lies and then we act out of those lies. So it makes sense why we would be afraid of being intimate with each other but also with the God who created us. But elements, there is so, so, so much to be gained by allowing God to know you and you to know him in the intimacy in God, just like the woman that washed Jesus' feet. Because despite our sin, despite our shortcomings, despite how we hide from him, he invites us to know him because he loves us. To be truly known and loved anyway, despite who we are, is pretty awesome. To completely know him is beyond anything we can imagine or even put in our brains. Don't settle for less because you're scared. Fight through it and let, just sit at his feet and say, God, I want to know you. I want to know all about you. And here I am. So another thing that we default to in, uh, so we don't have to have intimate relationships in the context of yada, is fans choose knowledge, followers embrace intimacy. In the church, we've created systems around learning. Our default setting is knowledge, not intimacy. We love Bible studies, workbooks. I do not because there's accountability with workbooks and you gotta write in there. I like Bible studies, just don't like workbooks. So some of you are in multiple ones. Some of you are, have, uh, have an e-group that you're in or you go do Bible studies. And some, some of us, we, uh, we've sent our kids to private education, Christian education. We've gone to seminaries. We have Christian academics. We study the God. We study theology. We exegete Greek and Hebrew. And we want our kids to memorize scripture. Can I just have a little aside there? My sister, we were in Awanas when I was a kid. Anybody know who Awanas is? It's a little kids program and they, you know, you, you have a book and you memorize scripture and then you get stuff for memorizing and, and she always won. She always won the Bible sword things where you could find the Bible scriptures and then, and then always memorize things. She went to like a scholarship camp and do that. I'm not bitter or anything. Um, don't, don't get me wrong. Don't hear me that, that those things are bad. It's not wrong to study and learn about God's word. It's extremely valuable and extremely important. But we can't expect knowledge to replace intimacy. Let me say that again. We cannot expect knowledge, what I know of God and what I know of his kingdom, what I know of his Father and the Holy Spirit, to replace the relationship and the intimacy that I have with God. We try to substitute knowledge for interesting because knowledge is much easier. Knowledge is much easier. I read it. Oh, that's what I think. Cool. All right. And I can ingest it. Simon brought Jesus to a meal. All he wanted was the knowledge of what Jesus had. He wanted to keep things shallow. He wanted 
He wanted to uh, just see what Jesus was about, and he defined that in the way that he treated Jesus. It was customary in those times as a guest would come into your house that you would sit them down and you would wash their feet. A servant would do it or someone, or you would do it as a host. The other thing that they would anoint the guest with oil and greet them in that way to sing that they were a guest welcome into the home. And they'd also give a caring kiss saying, thank you, be here. Thank you for being here. Simon did none of that. Fans choose knowledge. Followers embrace intimacy. The woman was willing to open up, to be vulnerable, and let Jesus know her sins, that she was a sinner, and all of her ugliness was right there for him to know. So will you let Jesus know you? Will you let Jesus know you? Will you embrace the close relationship he wants to have with you? With a close and intimate relationship comes forgiveness and yada, to be known and to know. We all wanna be known. That's why we work really hard about putting our name out there and being known for what it is and doing certain things. But follow forgiveness comes when we know who Jesus is. True forgiveness. My question is, why are you fearing it? Why do we fear it? Why do we block it with things in our life? Why do we run from it? Ooh, it's getting too tight. Eject, I'm out. Why don't we trust him in it? He wants you to know him and he wants you to know him more. There's two sides of the this picture. You've got the Pharisees on this side saying, I just want to know the knowledge of who God is. Some of us may be in that, in that camp. Some of us may be on this side saying, you know what? I've got my perfume. I got nothing to lose. I'm broken. I know it. I'm just going to fall at Jesus' feet, wash his dirty feet with my hair and my tears, and I'm just going to stay there until he tells me what to do. And all of us are in that, in that spectrum between. And so you need to choose. Choosing intimacy. It's not just intimacy happens. It's a choice. If I married Kimberly and she was forced to love me, is that really love? No, it's an arranged marriage. Jokes. But when I choose to be to know someone, and when I choose to invest in someone, and when I choose to get to know them, like the yada, it means much, much more. And Jesus is standing outside that door of your heart saying, I want in. He's not gonna force his way in. He wants to know you. He's sitting there waiting.
He just doesn't want knowledge of him in your heart. He wants a relationship with you. And so I want you to go through those questions again before you take communion. What are you fearing? What is blocking the intimacy with God? Why do we run from it? Why do we not trust him with it? And then we're gonna sing two, two more songs after communion. We celebrate communion because Jesus came to have a relationship with us. He came and he died on the cross. He shed his blood. His bones were broken for us, for you, for me. And we celebrate that every, every week by doing communion with, with a cracker and the juice. And I want you to answer these questions and, and pray through it and then go take communion because this Jesus that we talk about that we're, we need to be intimate with is worthy, is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our attention. And what is amazing in this is you see people raise their hands during worship, during the music part. And you may wonder, well, why are they doing that? That's kind of weird. Put your hands down. I can't see the screens. <laughs> or you may like, well, why, why are they doing that? Should I do that? Should I not do that? Should I, you know? And for you, that's just a symbol of you saying, God, you know my junk. You are all powerful. You are almighty. And what I'm singing is to lift you up because what I'm seeing is I'm getting to know you. I'm getting to, to experience you. Your love and your power is washing over me. The spirit that's in me is yours. And so when you see people worshiping like that, they're surrendering, saying, take me, I know me. And so I'm gonna challenge you tonight. As we finish up, it may not feel comfortable, it may not be like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do that. But as you finish, if you feel the Spirit leading you to just give it to him, just like the woman cried and wiped her tears and, and poured perfume over Jesus' feet. You can come pray down on the steps. You can stand where you are. But if you, haven't, if you don't know God in an intimate way, there's nothing like it to be known by the creator of the universe. So I'm gonna challenge you, as you after you take communion to come and just engage in worship. Worship is something that we do here musically, but worship, true worship, is with our lives. And how we show God that we know him is how we treat people and how we, how we respond to people and how we live every minute of every day. Not just when we pull into Catalina High School and we come into this auditorium or when we're around our Bible study friends or when we're around the people that we have to clean up to because we have some stuff over here that we're not really hip on. He knows it already. And he just wants you to come at his feet. Let him have your life and you will have an experience that you will never be able to explain because he's that big
and he's that loving, and he's that incredible. So take communion, muddle around with some of those questions, and let's just take the rest of the night and just worship him as he's worthy of being worshiped. Dear Heavenly Father, you are powerful and mighty, and Lord, I am unworthy to speak um, about your power and your presence, Lord, but I've experienced you, and thank you for allowing us to have a relationship with you. And Lord, not just a relationship, but to know us. You want to know us, and you want us to know you. Lord, we just have to sit at your feet and say, show us, show me. Show me who you are, Jesus. Here I am. And Lord, as we go take communion tonight, Lord, bring a freshness as we, as we take the cracker and we, and we take the cup. Bring a freshness to, to who you are in our relationship with you. And Lord, we just wanna put everything that we're trying to hide or do not disturb or do not pass, Lord, we just wanna take those signs down in our lives. And we just wanna come to you broken. We wanna come to you unclean, unfixed up, just at your feet. And Lord, if it's fear that is holding us back, of fear of rejection, fear of, fear of being hurt, fear of all those things, Lord, let us just relinquish that. Let us just let go of that so that we can experience you. Lord, let us get rid of our control. Lord, we control because we don't wanna get hurt. We don't want pain to get in our lives. Lord, but we know when we're vulnerable, that may happen. And Lord, just protect us in that. Lord, be with us. Shape us as we get to know you. 